So may we start So may we start It's time to start Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falkenstein from Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hey, everyone. And freelance writer and critic Rob Nehru. Hello, world. Now, we're going to be reviewing Annette next week, as we promise every single week. No, no, we, we are reviewing Annette now. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. You know, the, um, the 2SER supporters drive uh, interrupted our regularly scheduled programming, but we do want to thank everyone for their contributions to 2SER. Um, and for naming Film Fight Club as your favorite show, we really appreciate it. And uh, it's what's going to allow the studio to keep on giving a platform for local independent news and music and analysis. We really do appreciate it. And to those who phoned in, who gave what they could, and whether it's be Film Fight Club, any show, keeps the station going, uh, supporting a lot of good volunteers. Um, we do this for love and we do it to bring film news and analysis and maybe something you might not otherwise hear, hopefully, to your ears. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you to those who uh, did support. And but now we are, are back to our regularly scheduled programming. Before we get to Annette, long and long anticipated, not just the past few weeks of delays, but something we've been talking about covering throughout the end. This is a real fight. We want to talk quickly about news of the week. The Focus on Ability Film Festival screens in, tonight online around the country. And screening um, until the 31st of May online until the end of the month are several festivals, the Sci-Fi Film Festival, the United of Horror International Film Festival, the Brisbane Backyard Film Festival, the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, and the Melbourne International Film Festival all have online screenings until the end of the month. The Environmental Film Festival Australia is screening in Melbourne until November 4th. The Italian Film Festival is happening now around the country. The Korean Film Festival Australia is happening in Sydney until the 30th of November. Static Vision, the Film Collective, have a weekend of Halloween-themed things kicking off this Friday, and then further events coming up um, in November. No part of the Sydney Film Festival, which we'll get to in a moment. The Blue Healer Film Festival is screening in Musselbrook one night. On the 30th, I've been in touch with some of the students and folks from the University of Newcastle who are organising that. It's looking to be a great eighth annual festival. You can get up to the up to Musselbrook. And the Sydney Film Festival, finally, is happening from the 3rd to the 14th of November in person, and the 12th to the 21st online. It will be bringing rolling coverage of that from next week in the detail that you have become accustomed to, dear listener. Yes, and uh, there was just some breaking film news this morning that June 2 got greenlit. So uh, when that finally arrives, so. yeah, when that finally arrives in Australia um, and it ends as the reviews from internationally have reported abruptly, rest assured, you will see the continuation. Yes, we will be covering, we will be covering both tunes. I mean, come on. I will say June, I'm, I'm- June will return. Yeah. Even if I don't end up liking the film, I'm very glad that it's been successful. Yes. No, uh, very curious. I want to read, completely showing you the book first on my desk. We'll get there. And then I intend to watch yeah. the film. You've got about a month. Yeah. No, I, I'm not seeing this one at the City Film Festival. I'm waiting. I'll let that to, leave that to the very hardcore fans. I know a lot of people who are very yeah, serious about the family hierarchies in June. And I, I don't know this yet. I will maybe hopefully become a fan. Yeah, you've, you've got a couple of months uh, until the general release, I think, after Sydney Film December 9th, I believe, is the Australian release date. But for now, we're not talking June, we are talking Annette. It is the new film from Leo's Carricks, which premiered at Cannes and is now screening throughout Australia. It did have one screening as part of Acne Online before it got a cinema release, which is where Barat caught it. Yeah, and it's also, uh, it won the Best Director at Cannes, notably. Yeah, something we'll get into. Uh, it is starring Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, and Simon Helberg. It is about two performers in modern day America 
who are married and do two very different types of performance art and the child they have together. Is that a fair assessment going into this? I think so. Yeah. So the, yeah, it's an opera singer and a stand-up comedian. The Beauty and the Beast, as their relationship is characterized in the film. He's a stand-up comedian, but he also has broader musical performative aspects to his shows, mm-hmm. elements of it that are a little more freewheeling as a traditional comedian would be, but there are also elements that are more obviously staged. It's a hybrid show. Although that description you just gave opens the doorway into explaining a bit about the kind of zone this film operates in where it's so stylized and theatrical that you wonder, for example, is Henry McHenry, hilariously named Adam Driver, uh, really doing some kind of musical performance thing? Or is this just the extravagant Leos Carax's musical interpretation of a stand-up comedy performance with a Greek chorus? Um, the music is by Sparks. Um, if you don't know them, Edgar Wright made a very good um, as a rundown of their entire career in the documentary, The Sparks Brothers earlier this year. Um, they're a not British, but widely considered British American band who have a 50 year career spanning multi-genres known for their sardonic and uh, humorous lyrics. And it's long been their dream to make a movie musical after it almost happening with first Jacques Tati, then in the 70s, and then Tim Burton in the early 90s. And now it's finally happened with Leos Carax. So this has been widely praised. It's also be widely confounded people. Very good I liked a lot of elements of this film. On balance, I didn't like it. I judge it by, I consider it a movie musical, and therefore I judge it by the standards of movie musicals, though I appreciate that as before, there is a hybrid form here going on or traditionally performative aspects the things I'll talk about the things I liked about it I I think it is a spoiler to talk about the representation of the child that and in particular the final scene of the film to this effect are things I really really liked it was original it was creative Um, I appreciate it makes a metaphorical point without being too obvious or descriptive about it and I really enjoyed that and just driver I mean the guy can't do he can't do wrong as a performer this might be his best performance yet this is up there with the marriage story performance yeah definitely I mean every scene where there's a lot of scenes and I think Carrick knows that he's just such an beyond just being a good performer he's such an interesting guy to look at he has such an interesting look and any scene whether he's dressed up or not or however he's dressed up where he's just walking or standing or moving and the camera's focused on him, even if there's a lot going on around him, he steals the show, he chooses the scenery, and I really enjoyed all the sequences where the character just lets the camera rest on whatever driver is doing. I agree with that. And his physicality is also, Absolutely. his hugeness is an important part of the film. Um, Leos Carax spoke about how, because almost all his other films have fe- featured Denis Levant, how um, Adam Driver is the first actor since Denis Levant, that he's become thought this is my ideal male model, a person whose physicality he was just obsessed with and just wanted to document with a camera. And you feel that in the in the movie. And I agree, it's it's visually one of the strongest aspects in a very striking film visually. And it's married with he particularly he shots of him are married with amazing lighting. This film, I have problems with the staging, which, which very big problems with the staging, which you get into, but the film is exceptionally well lit from a cinematography perspective. Hmm. Carolyn Champotier is the is the DP's name, and yeah, she did a phenomenal 
job. I agree that the lighting transcended easily, um, as did her work in his previous film, Holy Motors. Um, it transcends the plasticky digital sheen that a lot of contemporary digital cinematography shows these days. And I think it, it really shows up how a lot of the flat looking films we're getting that um, people blame on digital cameras are really just a result of a lack of care because this film is dripping with care. The way that they filmed the moonlight in this movie is just in yeah. Not just the moonlight, but the moonlight as represented on stage, one particular scene mm. where Driver is watching Cotillard. It's in all the promotional material. It's absolutely stunning. And just yeah. while we're talking about the formers, we're raving about Driver, but Cotillard, Helberg, Helberg, they're also good. Cotillard's reliably good. Simon mm. Helberg is mostly associated with a terrible show, which we shan't not name, but he does have good performances outside of that. And this is an example of that he is a good actor who's been shortchanged by um, a very bad uh, Chuck Lorre sitcom. It's funny. Um, I saw this last night. So that's going to be a notable thing I want to put forward. These guys saw it weeks ago. I saw it last night. And this no, is... I, saw, I saw it on the weekend. Oh, okay. Well, a few it's days. Sunday. But this is a film that I think I'm going to be thinking about for a very long time. There's a lot going on. It's very heavy. And I would say it's quite thematically deep. But anyway, um, it was on the note of Helberg. It's just funny that um, last night, my girlfriend leant over and was like, he's familiar. Where have I seen this guy before? And I, I mentioned that show. And she she sort of looked confused for a moment and said, he's good. Yeah, he's, he's a good yeah. actor. He just what needed a good role. A serious man? Oh, yes. He, he was, was very great good. In that. He's, he's always been a good actor. He just is, is known for terrible material. Where he, where he just plays like an annoying creep. Again, I haven't seen, maybe he improves throughout the later seasons. I don't know. I only watched the first two seasons. Good decision. Yeah, it's just still a creep in later seasons. Okay. I, yeah, great. Uh, great representation there, uh, Chuck Lowry. The city is coming back. The movies are coming back. And best of all, you're coming back. So bring your gasps, bring your laughter, and bring your biggest big screen crushing. Because movies aren't movies unless we're at the movies together. Sydney Film Festival. Back in theatres, back together. November 3 to 14 in cinema and November 12 to 21 on demand. Explore the program and book tickets at sff.org.au. Two SER sponsors. Look, uh, the problem with this film is it's very hard to talk about in a linear fashion in terms of like, here's what the film is about, here's what I liked about it, here's what I didn't like about it. Carex is going so much for like what kind of experience you should be feeling as you basically have a journey with the film. So in a way, it is, it is very much breaking the conventions of normal passive consumption of cinema, where he's actively trying to get you to engage with whatever is happening on the screen and deliberately breaking the rules of cinema to ensure he's getting the audience involved as much as possible. I think that is probably the most innovative part of Annette, which a lot of things are very innovative and some of them hit and miss. But overall, which is kind of the reason why I like the film a lot, it is doing things, I don't think all of them land, but it's still trying for a lot of things. It's a pretty ambitious film. Yeah, um, I'll get to that. But on what you said about um, the kind of experience he's going for, uh, sorry, anonymous person on the internet whose name I can't remember, but something I, I read um, before doing this show that I agree with, um, where someone was analyzing the, the mixed kind of critical response and particularly the divide between more positive reviews from the French critics and more negative in America. And they said, American critics have become very accustomed to films that spoon feed them how to think about big issues. And this film deals with a lot of um, heavy issues 
but basically just leaves you with a space to immerse yourself in in the art. Um, and that's not to say that you, you know, if you don't like it, you just can't appreciate that kind of experience. But it's worth noting that this movie is anachronistic. Um, it's very contemporary and very new, but it's anachronistic in its approach to art in a way that I appreciate it. I appreciated that it was immersive. I appreciate that it was trying things that either were new, um, as we, we don't want to discuss spoilers, or otherwise haven't been tried in a very long time. I don't, I do think he's trying a lot of things. I don't think he's just throwing things at the screen or trying things for the sake of it. I think it's very deliberate. I do agree with some of the choices discussed, but I'm happy to talk about some of the things that I didn't like about this film. And talking about it from, again, I judge it by the standards of a musical. And if as a musical, and this is not just a musical like Mamma Mia, this is a musical like Les Mis, where the entire it's film opera. is opera. And that's fine if that's the approach, but which means you have to judge it by, I think four criteria as you would any other musical. The songs, the performances, the shooting, because it's a film, and the staging is distinct from the shooting. Turning to the songs first, I think the music is, the music, let me be clear, the music as opposed to the lyrics are really good. Sparks Brothers has done a really good job. It's catchy. I liked it. It's stuff I could listen to. The lyrics I generally don't like because they're repetitive. In isolation, they're fine, but they are so droningly repetitive. They want to impress this is what this character is about. Um, there's a sequence where Driver just repeatedly says, I'm so in love with you. And that's fine for the first bit, but then it just goes on and on and on. The staging of that scene and other sequences, are, I think, were good. And I'll get to that in a sec. But I think the worst offender here is the introduction of the Simon Helberg character. And more to that, this, this is a film really about four characters. The two main characters and Annette, I think, are fairly well fleshed out. The Simon Helberg character is the fourth main character. And you think it's someone who, in that any other film, who would be you know a little bit about. But his motivation, as em emblemized by the song where we meet him, is so singular because we just get getting told and told this. And this isn't a character. It's someone who plays a plot function in the film and someone who plays a foil to driver's character. And I think it's just a very obvious piece of quite poor writing in, other, in a film that is otherwise character-driven and which has very good, well-drawn-out characters. And that's just an example of how I think the music is very good, but I think the lyrics um, leave a lot wanting throughout the movie. I have some problems with Sparks' music in general um, in that after a while, the, the very ironic lyrics can rub me the wrong way and it can start to feel smug. But for some reason, it worked for me in this film. I think it's um, the marriage with the direction, but a lot of the things you mentioned, I can see why someone would feel that way, but I just saw it in a different way. Like I can see how the repetition of the lyrics could become annoying to people, but I just took it as like, this is how opera works. <laughs> you know, like it almost for me became a bit deeper every time I am like this gets repeated through the film. Uh, I think uh, specifically with the I'm in so, so in love with you, that segment and that repetition. Yeah, we love each other so much. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like that repetition was deliberate mm. because it is also emblematic of couples trying to reassure each other and also saying it out loud about, oh, no, actually, I am in love with you. I am in love with you. Am I in love with you? So it's like, you know, yeah. it's the repetition is with men Natural. with a different kind of, are you trying to convince yourself? Are you trying to convince the other person? Or are you just trying to convince the world that, yes, we are in love with each other? So there were uh, different shades to it. So I felt like the repetition, even though it felt repetitive, still was doing something different each time. So uh, especially also, the characters going with that 
dynamic of relationship and how it kind of affects each other. And it becomes like a reminder, like a good theme should. It reminds you of the earlier moments as the context yes. changes. You're listening to Film Fight on 2SR with Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans of Nehru. Did you forget to subscribe during Radiothon? Well, today is your lucky day. If you subscribe to 2SER before the end of October, you can still go into the draw for our major prizes. And still receive all the benefits and freebies our subscribers enjoy. Join the 2SER family before October 31 by subscribing at 2SER.com now. Welcome back to Film Fight Club, where we're talking all things Annette. Now, talking about the lyrics, I appreciate, look, I'm not a, I appreciate that in terms of getting a point home and emphasizing different aspects of it, that lyrics can be effective for the repetitive. Certainly, that is why choruses and particularly in opera, there's a lot of repetition of lyrics. I'm not generally a fan of opera, but I appreciate the form. I can appreciate, and I don't discount good opera when there is a tonal emphasis on individual lyrics, which can further an idea, even if it's oft repeated. But then I think, I don't believe this film does that well. And that's when we turn to the second aspect of how I think you have to judge a musical, and that's on the performance aspects. I, I, La La Land is an infamous example where, I don't quite compare it to La La Land, where people are cast who aren't traditional musical singers or dancers. Driver is a very good performer. And I'm talking about dramatic performer, but I think we have to draw a distinction between his dramatic performance and his musical performance. He does a lot of song speech, Rex Harrison style. Um, and Harrison can sort of get away with it. Driver does to a great extent, but it's not lyrical musical. There isn't a great diversity in the tone of his lyricisms because Driver simply, while he's a very good performer, he simply can't manage it and that's fine. But you have cast someone in the film where for the purpose of repetition, you are dependent on someone who can invoke tonality and distinction um, through musical scores. Driver can, without question, do this through poor performance. We've seen it time and time again in the film. I don't think just because of his very clear level of tonality musical proficiency i don't believe he can quite achieve this to the extent that characters would like i believe that characters for the reasons chris referred to earlier has done a bit of a trade-off that he has chosen driver for this because again he has such a presence he's so good as performer but i don't believe his lyrical ability evinces what um this film necessitates so i think it could be good with a different musical performer but i don't believe driver pulls it off in this respect. I think that is a major, um, major detraction for this movie. He's not a great singer, but, um, you know, his voice reminded me of Pierce Brosnan's in, in Mamma Mia, except he's better than Pierce Brosnan. much better than that. Yeah. But still, it's along those lines that you, you can feel a similar kind of strain, but he's carrying it off better or the songs have been written around his voice better. It worked well enough for me, I think partly because he's put up against a character who is is an opera singer who's the only one who really sings. Yeah, and that singing um, was great. Yeah, and we're talking about singing, the of course, Le'Veon Rose, uh, Marion yeah. Cotillard's singing is incredible. Yeah, but, um, again, and compared to Cotillard, it's just even stronger in comparison. Yeah, but he he is, he is playing comedian, a stand-up comedian though. And he's exactly. also a kind of inadequate guy, musical, self-loathing guy. So it, even though, yeah, it would be better if there were a traditionally stronger singer, it worked well enough for me. I, look, uh, I mean, this is some context for the listeners. I predicted early on that Glenn would not like this film and Chris might like it a bit more than Glenn. You said, and Chris, you'll love it. Glenn, you, you won't like it. Okay, um, fine. I was maybe that blunt. I liked a lot about it. I just <laughs> wish, 
I, I wish it had been 40 minutes shorter. But but the things that you're mentioning now, Glenn, were exactly the kind of things where I thought the reasons why you would not like it, because I feel this is kind of like an anti-musical. It is using the musical form, but it's not leaning into the musical aspects to tell the story in a musical way. I think there's a lot of ironic use of music and a lot of ironic use of lyrics in a way to kind of make fun of musicals and the opera form as well. I think it's a very sincere example of the opera form. I agree, actually. I, I think yeah. there, there are moments, I kind I, I of agree with both of you in this respect, there's moments where I feel he's reaching beyond the boundaries where we traditionally might see a musical stage and sometimes where, where, the, where the musical, like there's moments in Les Mis, like I love Les Mis as an example, but there are just moments where, okay, there really is no need for a musical scene here. They just did it for the purposes of consistency and it's just a bit of filler. There's a lot, those moments like this are drawn out throughout the film because he wants by virtue of the form, the whole thing to be musical, which is only um, exemplified the problems with it by the virtue of the fact that you have lead as someone who isn't a traditionally great singer. But there are other moments where he goes beyond the bounds of where you would expect the musical to go. Um, the sequences with the crowd are interacting as if they were a part of the musical. Amazing. I absolutely love mm. those. There's been a sequence uh, that has been in quite a bit of publicity, uh, publicity writing of the film where there's a musical sequence while a sexual act is taking place or sexual acts are taking place. And I thought that was really great. It's creative. It's something I haven't seen before. And I, I liked that. I liked that we seeing a musical in non-traditional spaces a lot of off-broadway stuff uh traditionally tries to take things out of the realm of the big show-stopping numbers and this is just a furtherance of that and i appreciated the film for those elements yeah um i i generally didn't have any issue with the staging i, I wonder what was your problem there i mean even that, if you mentioned earlier the the simon helberg character um the accompanist in regard to the staging and also his function in the plot for example but um, I had no issue with any of that. To no, be the stage, stage was one of the following months I liked. I'm talking oh, about, okay. Uh, so in terms of the, the songs, the performances, the shooting, which we'll get to in a second, the staging, the first three I wasn't a big fan of. The staging, I appreciated. I, I thought Carrick stopped it out of the park. So that I liked. The issue with me was the shooting of some of these sequences. With musicals, you really have to do one of two things to, to be effective. And, and you move a little bit about the bounds of this, but you have to show, you can show it's a blur of characters as part of the musical, or you can be, especially with a performance performer like Driver, you can be really up close, not Tom Hooper up close, but you up close to show um, their emotions. And so much of this, and I don't know why, is shot from such a remove. Um, there are sequences where they're on a motorcycle, and it's okay to film a musical sequence where they're riding on a motorcycle, but the camera keeps panning out far and farther and further away. There's moments where you're at such a setback, and especially when characters are so clearly endeared to someone as talented as Driver, I don't know why you wouldn't have more sequences where it's a close, and I don't say you have to have everything being a mid-shot or, or, or a face shot, but there's just so many where we are at such a remove that the characters and what they're doing are obscured. And I think the, sh the moments where that happens just takes us out of the film and a film that's otherwise intendedly and is fairly so quite immersive. And I think that was a major misstep. I mean, the, the scene in the motorcycle was a particularly egregious one for me, but there's several sequences throughout the film that are um, similar in this regard. See, to me, this actually added I mean to the immersiveness because it was more time to, to look at the, the incredible set design and art direction, which is adding very much to the tone of this film as well. But in the motorcycle sequence, it's just, I think it's just done for the sake of it. I, I think, look, there is a voyeuristic element to the way the film is shot. The film is always wants you to be aware that you're watching these people and you're watching a set, you're watching, you're basically kind of in a place where you shouldn't be. 
you're seeing more than otherwise a film camera would be capturing. You know, because a lot of the times the movie would play with the frame and show you things and otherwise hide other things. I think the way the frame is set up in a lot of these scenes for a lot of these uh, sequences is deliberately showing you more than otherwise a cinematic frame would and showing you things that, you know, from a far removed where you are placed in odd situations and you're looking into the scenes as if they are, you know, oh, you know, this is happening, but there's also that other thing which otherwise I would not notice. And it's kind of placing you in a weird voyeuristic situation where you are with these characters, but also you are not. You're also in a director's chair. So almost it's putting you in an audience chair and a director's chair as well, but you can see the cinematic frame and you can see also the frame that the director is seeing in the camera at the same time. So it's a kind of a weird meta kind of narrative that Carax is going for, which is I feel. I suspect we're going to have to go into the podcast to keep talking about this film because we're running out it's of It's so hard to talk about without oh, spoilers. Like I, I what what's hitting me about this conversation so far is that we've been so technical about this film and about technical aspects of presentation, but I really want to talk about the themes and how it made me feel. Yeah, we haven't yeah. even got there yet. This is a really sad film. You know, even before tragedy strikes in the plot. Right in the first 15, 20 minutes, you really feel it. This is an opera with people singing about sympathy for the abyss. This is really marked by death and depression. Just before we do get into the emotive aspects of it, um, I just note there are many sequences in the film where they cut away to talk about the perspective of what we implicitly the news media, the tabloids, which <laughs> has a lot I thought of. Those were hilarious. I know he clearly, but here's the thing, they're so deliberately lo-fi, he clearly has a lot of contempt for this industry. If that's your point of view, fine, that's your opinion, but it reminds me of, I'll refer to against another good Adam Driver film, Marriage Story, where um, Bamba cuts away to show here's what the Marvels and Disney's of the world are doing. It's just inserting a clearly political opinion or social opinion into a film, which is so obvious that, okay, that's your view, again, fine, but I think the deliberately lo-fi aspect oh. compared to everything else which is so articulated just takes you out of the film and I'm not a fan of director just throwing in their um, elements of here's what I think without it really being part of the narrative it's designed to take you out of it for a bit and I think that's bad anytime I, mean, happened, they, I just felt also, oh god why are we seeing this again it also condenses the narrative it it, it explains and the, the, they're about to do this so that we can just jump into that scene um and I don't know. I liked it. I liked the repetition of the wow, wow, wow <laughs> chorus there yeah. and, just, it just and the really bad Photoshop every time they appear. Didn't need to happen. Really bad dreams. I don't know. And compared to the wonderful sequences where Cotillard, sorry, where the driver just walks up to Cotillard with the paparazzi, much better handled. And just the, the, the sequence, like that sort of media I, sequence I'm referring to, just with I the rep that, repetition of it, just reminds, wow. reminds you just how long this film I appreciate the film. There's a lot to tell. But with just how similar and similar sequences are, I feel it could have been substantially shorter. They, those bits are pretty short, uh, to be fair. And uh, in, I don't know. I feel like in a film with this tone, you can easily get away with being a little bit playful with like, here's how paparazzi media sucks, you know? I appreciate the story this film is telling. We haven't really spoken about it, but... That's why we have to go podcast. So you've got to subscribe if you want to hear us talk about the meat of this film. Uh, or you can just listen to the episode. It's on iTunes and Spotify. Um, it's in other places where good podcasts are found. You'll probably be able to find it. Film Fight Club. You know us. That's us. Yeah. But yeah, as you were saying, Glenn? Well, I, I, I enjoyed the, the 
tangents that were moving. I think it is a moving story. I think I also think the character, the, the director, and the story aren't endorsing particular characters' behavior. I think it's an important distinction. I think this, yes, yeah, this is very, very clear. It needs to be very clear. I think it is clear. Yeah, but um, but this goes back to the thing I mentioned earlier about how a lot of people have become accustomed to films that spoon feed them how to think. This is a movie featuring some terrible behavior, and I think it's clear that the film does have a moral compass and is judging people accordingly. But it's not directly, you know, shoveling it down your throat. But um, a really heavy film that stands out. I think um, a lot of the time these days, films are afraid to go very heavy. Films are afraid to go very personal. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen a film as dark as this, a new release especially. You know, and I mean, I mean real darkness. I mean like the darkness yeah. of the soul. I don't just mean, um, you know, a movie where some people die and and um, we learn about how psychopaths like the Joker represent the duality of man and chaos or whatever. I mean, a movie about depression and a movie about seeing no future and no hope, which this film touches on those themes, again, without shoveling it down your throat. But we'll have more to say. And we'll be back next week talking all things Sydney Film Festival with some rolling coverage. We're very keen to have the festival back, and that is screening from the 3rd to the 14th of November. And you can check out all the other details of the other festivals that screen now on festivest.com. This is Hopefully we'll down. see more movies as ambitious as Annette there. Yes, we hope, we hope so. I certainly hope so. I'm pretty keen. We love each other so much We love each other so much Speak soft when you say it Speak soft when you say We love each other Welcome back to Film Buckler, where we're talking all things net. Yeah. I was thinking in the break between restarting the podcast, probably part of what people take issue with about this film is that it's a marriage of, as I said before, very heavy themes with the outrageous turns in the plot and uh, things that, you know, in some ways are silly. I don't think, as Virat said, that everything works in this film. And there's a point in it where I felt the quality sort of start to dip for a bit. I think it recovered later. But I found these kind of elements intriguing uh, and, uh, and entertaining. But I could and uh, to me, the tonal control was masterful enough that um, I was never lost by the intrusions into bizarre silliness. Um, but I could easily see how someone could say, this is just nonsense. This is too much. Yeah, it is, but it's good nonsense, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean I that's, that's the other thing, right? Because, uh, like, look, there are certain choices that characters make, which is so interesting just by the fact that the choices were made. Hmm. For example... This movie asks a lot. This movie is bold and asks you to just go with it. Yeah. For example, the way Annette is represented, without giving away how that is represented, the child is represented, essentially, throughout the film, is very important. And I just thought that that choice itself was... Has thematic relevance. Has thematic relevance. And it's also uh, just visually beautiful, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, the, way, the, the, the way the, the course, uh, the sixth cue the course happened, 
was such an interesting take on the whole Me Too movement without going into much detail. I was going to say okay. that too. I really yeah. appreciated how this film was very much set today and touched on um, contemporary issues in a non-condescending way. Specifically, the Me Too movement, I feel like though it was just a brief interlude in the film that did justice to it and integrated it in a um, relevant way, uh, as well as the and another example of a poetic metaphorical touch that is not much delved into but speaks a lot the Californian wildfires yeah you know um that, that sent the sense of impending doom on the horizon yeah. the questions of how much time we as um as Adam Driver says at one point in the film we don't have much time you know which yeah. is a loaded kind of multiple meaning phrase look, which is which is why look the thing is yes the dialogue kind of feels repetitive and simplified at times but I feel like that was necessary because the film otherwise, without it, is just so complex that you need the dialogue mm. to be simple, to at least be a guiding force in an otherwise such a layered, complex film where audiences can easily get lost. Because mm. without that, it feels like it's so hard to latch on to something, some sense of like, this is what was intended or is the characters going for. The visuals the dialogue go had to be, Yeah. I think the visuals are rich enough that I can deal with some music being repeated. The music, the, there's so many visual ideas being communicated at every moment. Um, and just, I, I keep thinking back to Driver's performance and the way he swings that microphone around on his yeah. end. The, um, there's, a, there's a really heartbreaking scene of him performing stand-up where he gets into some really obviously heavy from the heart stuff. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, at the end of the day... Yeah, Bo Burnham from inside, if you're, you're listening. Your take, take notes, yeah. That, this Honestly, is how you yeah. do it. Honestly, um, the film moved me. At the end of the day, I found it beautiful, you know? I can... The film was trying to, trying to say something. How many films can you say in, in the past, mm -hmm. however many years, that but, actually try to do that? I found, I found it moving, but I never... And for the reasons discussed during the show, I, I don't believe a film can be as effective as it aspires to if it takes more time than necessary to make its point. I think the point was made at key junctures in the film at the key instances of the beginning and ends of the major acts. And then there's a lot that's just used for emphasis. Again, the lyricisms that just kind of fill in the film rather than inform it. There are great moments like the scenes on the stage, the one on the boat, um, any scene that takes uh, the scene that takes place in the hospital, the scene in the, at the very the scenes at the very end of the film, which I loved. Otherwise, just a little bit beyond what I feel necessary. I feel like once uh, enough people in Australia have seen it, uh, we should do a summer December special episode where we do a spoiler episode of the map, and uh, that would be great. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take a while to process it. Yeah, and it's it's that kind of. I don't film. find it too long. I no. I didn't find it bloated. I disagree on that one, but. Uh, There'll, there'll be more to say. Will, this fight um, has been postponed until further notice. Yeah. yeah there'll, be more, there'll be more to say on that. Go see it, honestly. Go see if it. If you don't like it, it really deserves, this kind of film deserves support and you will have a response. Yeah, definitely. You'll have an experience, guaranteed. See it in the cinema. See it in the cinema. Have, yeah. have a wonderful you. night. Enjoy movies and we'll catch you soon with more Sydney Film Festival coverage. Good night. Good night.